Good evening. Yeah, so if you'll flip to Luke 15 uh, with me, I'm found on page 874 in the Pew Bibles. That's where we'll be tonight. So if you haven't been with us in the past few weeks, or if it's your first time here, we're glad to see you. Uh, We've recently embarked on a new series focused on Jesus' parables. Last week, we took a look at the parable of the rich fool, and tonight we'll be continuing the series by looking at the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, Please follow along with me, starting in verse 4, going to verse 7. God's word says this, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. In 1986, a power plant exploded, resulting in two instantaneous deaths. Even after being evacuated, it was quickly quickly discovered that the danger was not yet circumvented and that if appropriate measures were not taken, people in the surrounding area would be killed. A few valves in the basement had to be manually turned in order to prevent further danger. Finding the correct valves among the network of other valves would be difficult enough, but the basement was completely dark and partially flooded as well. Despite the odds, three young men stepped forward to volunteer themselves for the task. They were willing to leave everything behind, their wives, their children, and their future, for this mission. So dressed in wetsuits and flashlights in hand, they trudged forward into the dark waters to their probable deaths. Now looking at our passage for tonight, we see a similar determination from the shepherd in the parable. But before we go any further, it's important to understand the context of this parable. In the verses that lead up to the passage, Luke sets the stage, telling us that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now, in Jesus' time, tax collectors were viewed as lower than scum of society. Uh, They deceitfully extorted outrageous amounts of money from their own people to give to a brutal and oppressive regime while padding their own pockets. By the Pharisees and scribes' standards, tax collectors weren't fit for the kingdom of God. In fact, it was actually taught that to lie and deceive tax collectors was a righteous act, and this profession was placed alongside murdering and robbing. Jesus himself often uses them as symbols for the worst kinds of people throughout his ministry. So based on this context, it becomes clear that when Luke writes sinners and tax collectors, he's not talking about people who stumble into sin, but rather people who actively practice godless lifestyles. The Pharisees were offended that Jesus was associating with these types of people, which prompts Jesus to tell this parable. The point he makes in the parable is that God's love for the sinner should cause us to love sinners and rejoice in their salvation in spite of their sinful actions. God's love for the sinner should cause us to love sinners and rejoice in their salvation in spite of their sinful actions. Jesus presses us to consider this question. Do I find more joy in righteousness or repentance? For our outline tonight, we can see God demonstrating his love for the sinner through his mission for the lost, his care for the found, and his command to the secured. We can see God demonstrating his love for the sinner through his mission for the lost, his care for the found, and his command to the secured. So first, Christ's mission for the lost. Jesus begins his parable with a question. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. 
Now, from the opening verse, we see that God does not abandon those he loves. He loves and values each of his own. Similarly, the shepherd in the parable knows his sheep and values each one. He keeps the 99 in open country where any threats would have been visible for miles. There would likely have been multiple shepherds watching the flock, so it's clear that the shepherd's sheep are safe and secured, but he isn't content with just the 99. He cares for every last one. In a flock of 100 sheep, many ewes would most likely have been pregnant, so after about six to nine months, the lost sheep would have been replaced many times over. But to the shepherd, each sheep is indispensable, and he didn't rest until he fulfilled his mission to find each lost sheep. So as Christians, do we share this value? Do we see and treat sinners as potential citizens of God's kingdom? Or do you turn your face away in disgust like the Pharisees, grumbling about them. We should view sinners as potential sheep in God's flock, which would prompt us to act urgently and intentionally. The shepherd doesn't stop his search until he finds a sheep. Do we share the same urgency to share God's truth with that unbelieving coworker, that neighbor or family member who's so far gone that it's frustrating just to hear their name? You might think to yourself, oh, they hate it when I talk about the gospel and they'll just get mad and won't listen. Or maybe... I don't know this person, I'm busy right now, so they're not my problem. So one of the strangest interactions I've ever had with anyone at UVA was this guy with some nose piercings, long braided hair dyed yellow, and rollerblades. Now this man was fairly well known among UVA students and was notorious for almost never wearing shoes. You'd see him walking around on grounds to class without any shoes on. Um, But in my second year, I was reading and discussing a Bible verse with one of my friends while sitting on the pavement at the top of a hill when this guy skates up, looks at the both of us, and smiles, saying, that's a pretty good study spot. Now, knowing what I know about this man, I firmly believe that there was no sarcasm in that statement whatsoever and that he genuinely believed that the middle of that particular street to be one of the best study spots on ground. So my friend and I, we just sort of awkwardly laughed and nodded as he skated away up and down the hill, and we continued our own conversation. I don't know if I've ever been better set up for a gospel conversation with anyone, but I didn't engage in that conversation because I assumed he would be unreceptive and maybe even offended by the gospel. I justified this to myself saying, I don't know him and I'm hanging out with a friend right now, so it's not my problem. Now, two days ago, I opened up Instagram and saw many of my friends reposting about this guy. At the age of 22, the man I neglected was driving on the highway, hit a tractor trailer, and died. Now, I don't know whether or not this young man was a believer or not, but I could have found out on that hill two years ago. Don't presume that you'll have another chance with someone or that they'll hear the gospel from someone else. Believer, at the end of the day, God is the only one with the ability to perform the miracle of changing the heart of stone to a heart of flesh, but we are the instrument God uses to build his kingdom. Don't deny God the opportunity to work his miracles in the hearts of unbelievers. As former lost sheep, who are we to decide who is and who is not fit for the kingdom of God? Realize that by doing so, you're actively fighting against the shepherd from fulfilling his mission. Whether or not you choose to deny the lost, God will not give them up. Leading to our next point. Christ's care for the found. Christ care for the found. Notice in verse 5, when the shepherd finally finds a lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders. The shepherd doesn't walk alongside the sheep. He carries it tenderly on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
Now, I've never carried a sheep on my shoulders, but I can't imagine that's an easy task. However, the shepherd chooses to do so with gladness in his heart. Sheep are easily frightened and distracted, so by carrying the sheep, the shepherd prevents it from wandering off again. The shepherd bears the entire burden for the sheep, walking across rough terrain and making himself vulnerable to any potential danger, all while rejoicing because he has found his beloved sheep. Similarly, when Christ finds a lost, he carries them on his shoulders with all power and tenderness, and he successfully carries the sheep back home to the flock. If you're an unbeliever, I invite you to put your faith and hope in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've gone off in search of greener grass that life has to offer, and you're always finding yourself wanting more. Maybe you've been misled by someone or something, and you're wondering how your life came to this. Maybe you're running from something, trying to find a place to hide, but wherever you turn, whenever you close your eyes, you feel restless and terrified. Whatever your situation is, run no further. God sent his beloved son, Jesus Christ, into this world to live a sinless life and to die for our sins, but death cannot claim victory. He rose from the dead, overcoming sin, and he offers life and reconciliation to God. If you place your faith in Christ, he will instill a satisfying purpose in you. He will never lead you astray, and he will give you refuge. He will complete his work in you and make you whole. Rest in his tender love and trust in him to bring you home safely. Now, what does this mean for us as believers? Well, whether you like it or not, Jesus will integrate the lost into the folds of his flock. Sheep flock together in order to protect themselves from predators. An isolated sheep is so much more vulnerable than one that is in the middle of its flock. Why? Well, because the threat never comes from within the herd, but from outside. What's your response to those Christ pursues and finds? Will you cast a sheep to the side, or will you come around them and protect them from the danger as one of the flock? A threat against one sheep is a threat against the entire flock, and we as believers must treat threats against our own as such. Take comfort in the fact that Christ promises to protect and sustain us by carrying us on his shoulders. Any attack on the found is ultimately an attack on Christ, but we know that he has overcome this world. And what a joy it is to be under the watchful care of a shepherd who, can, who we can trust to help us through every circumstance. The joy we should have from being under God's reign as one of his flock leads us to our third point. Christ's command to the secured. Christ's command to the secured. Jesus says that when the shepherd comes home with the lost sheep, he says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Notice the subject in verse 6. For I have found my sheep, not because the lost sheep has been found or because the sheep has been restored to my flock, but because I have found my sheep. Christ himself is the subject of joy. We rejoice with Christ because of what he has done and what he has accomplished. But in order to do so, we must first understand the good and loving nature of the shepherd. God is not a careless shepherd celebrating his good fortune at finding a lost sheep. He does not stumble upon the sheep. No, he's a shepherd who knows all his sheep by name. And when one goes missing, he drops everything to pursue the sheep until it rests on his loving shoulders. We are told that there is great joy in heaven over the conversion of one sinner. Now, if there's such joy in heaven for such an occasion, are you a stranger to this heavenly spirit? When Christ invites us to rejoice with him, do you hinder the joy that comes from the spirit by dwelling on the previous actions of the sinner? 
Consider whether you're falling victim to a legalistic mindset. Are you making the basis of the salvation of someone's soul based on their works? How blessed are we that we don't rely on our own works for our own salvation, but rather that we have been restored through Christ's sacrifice. Don't take that blessing away from others. Instead, worship and rejoice in God. Accept Jesus' command to rejoice. Jesus ends his parable with an explanation. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you have put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there has been joyous celebration over Christ's triumph over your sins. We have been given new life and are called to rejoice at being found. You cannot rejoice in Christ while dwelling on your own sins and the sins of others. Rejoice that Christ brings sinners into the light rather than using that light to look down upon those who still live in the darkness. So after navigating their way through the darkness of the basement, the three young men of our story managed to locate the correct valves in time, and after turning the valves, the water they had been standing in began to drain. Had these men failed, 185 tons of nuclear material would have melted through the concrete above their heads, dropping into 5 million gallons of water, triggering an explosion with a force of 3 to 5 megatons, leaving most of Europe uninhabitable. If you haven't guessed already, the story is about the Chernobyl meltdown. 31 people were killed from the immediate aftermath of the disaster, according to the official toll, but millions more have been affected by the disaster, so it's hard to determine how many lives the disaster actually claimed. Now, without a doubt, Chernobyl was a tragic disaster and is rightly viewed as such, but do you see how easy it is for a disaster to take hold of your focus and make you lose sight of the stories of love and sacrifice? If you're like me, you hear the word Chernobyl and your mind jumps to disaster. When you look around at the lives of others, does your mind jump to disaster? Where is your focus? Are you focused on the actions of the lost sheep or on the actions of the loving shepherd? Believer, it's a lost world out there filled with lost people, but it's not a lost battle. On the contrary, God in his infinite love reigns victorious. Don't let the actions of others prevent you from joining our shepherd in joyous celebration over the lost. Father, you are the good shepherd. You see the broken and lost and seek them out as your own precious sheep. Forgive us when we lose sight of your love for all your sheep as we fail to recognize the lost as you do. Thank you for your great love and mercy that you bestow upon your entire flock. Continue to work in us and let your love change our hearts and attitudes to align with your mission in this world. Amen.